Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Rick Berry Show. I'm Cyrus Sotzes. Rick is not here at the moment, but when you listen to this show, you'll understand that Rick dominates the program. So don't worry, you don't have to listen to me for most of the time. Um, this is actually going to be a montage of three different media appearances that Rick has recently done. The first was an appearance that Rick and I did on the flagship station of the Golden State Warriors. That is 95.7 FM. Um, I go on every you know, few weeks or so with um, with one of their weekend shows. Usually Dan Devone and Shamari Block are the hosts. Sometimes they mix it up. There's someone else. But, um, you know, they bring me on every once in a while. And, and this time I thought, hey, why not bring Rick on with me? Uh, and I surprised the host. He wasn't ready at the moment. I don't know if that was Rick not being available or if, uh, uh, if it was the pretty, if it was the producer side, Brian Iglesia, I have no idea what happened, but who cares? He finally came on like two, three minutes later and turned it into a great segment. Uh, the second audio clip is Rick from, um, uh, this, this, this NBA alumni event at the all-star game where Rick just went off and what became a viral moment on social media uh, pertaining to a lot of the rules and, and a lot of what NBA officials are and are not calling in today's game. Um, and again, this, this little seven minute clip kind of went viral a bit and, and it's entertaining. It is Rick at his finest when he's passionate. And then the third clip is Rick joining me on um, a daily podcast I host called locked on warriors uh, and Rick joins me in that on occasion, and he joined me um, uh, just two days ago. I'm recording this on Sunday, uh, March 6th. But before I start with the Rick Berry content, I quickly want to share some great news that came down today, which Dub Nation, I feel, sorely needs. Uh, one of those pieces of news um, is that Steve Kerr has abandoned what has been an utterly failed experiment um, involving Stephen Curry and his rotation. For nearly his entire Hall of Fame career, Stephen Curry has played in a rotation where he plays usually the entire first and third quarter um, and then comes in at approximately the six-minute mark for the second and fourth quarter. Um, this year, Kerr was tinkering with that, using multiple substitutions, um, with the sole purpose of saving his minutes for the fourth quarter so that Steph could play more um, at the end of games. Uh, but unfortunately, that Tinkering with the rotation clearly, again, just was not working. I mean, the results show that. Steph's numbers are down. The Warriors' win-loss record is abysmal right now, at least in recent history, where they're playing 500 ball. Um, they no longer have the second-best record in the NBA. They're now, they're now the third seed uh, in the Western Conference. So 2022 has just not been a great year for the Warriors so far. They're, they're, they're playing, again, average ball at best. Um, and Steph, who started the year smoking hot, we haven't seen that same level of production for a while now. So great news from Steve Kerr. Thank you for uh, finally ditching your stubbornness and admitting that even though he didn't directly admit it, he still did admit that um, the experiment clearly did not work. And so Steph is going to go back to rotation. Similar, not exactly how it was before. And this is really, in my opinion, what should have been happening from the beginning where um, he'll still he'll have just one substitution per half. Uh, and a substitution pattern, meaning like he'll get taken out and brought back in just once per half, only it might not, he might not be playing entire quarters, um, where instead of playing 12 minutes in the first and third quarter, now he might play 10 minutes and then come back in at the eight minute mark in the second and fourth quarters instead of the six minute mark to make up for the minutes. But regardless, it's going to revert back to the norm. And a reversion was sorely needed. And then the other great news, Adrian Wojnarowski was on NBA Countdown this morning and announced that Draymond Green, who would have been NBA Defensive Player of the Year this year if he did not get injured, another future Hall of Famer, no doubt, um, and who clearly, uh, when you talk about the one key variable that has resulted in the Warriors struggling this year, safe to say it's Draymond being injured. Although they, they did lose three out of five before he got hurt, but still, nonetheless, you can clearly see the impact of Dre not playing, um, and he's going to be back in seven to ten days. So that is great news, and, and I'm sure we're all excited for that. Um, so just wanted to share that news. And also, really quickly, let's talk about a longtime sponsor uh, of the Rick Barry Show, and that is Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, 
Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. And now here are the three uh, Rick Barry segments I talked about a moment ago. First, our appearance on 95.7 The Game last weekend. Secondly, uh, uh, Rick being interviewed at this alumni event uh, as part of the All-Star Game festivities, talking about NBA rules. And thirdly, his appearance with me on Friday, March 4th, as uh, edition of Locked on Warriors. And then I'm sure him and I will record a new live show very soon. Thank you, Dub Nation. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, everyone, for your support of this program. Rick and I do not do this for the money. We do it for the passion. And uh, we just we just love producing content that hopefully is informing and entertaining everyone. So here are those segments. And make sure you follow Rick on social media at Rick24Barry. You can follow me on Twitter at DogSurfRocho. And you can follow our program at Warriors24Pod, since this show is a part of the Warriors24Podcast Network. Thank you. From the corner, Barry. Rick Barry has not missed the free throw against Washington. Now it is Barry. Back to Clifford Ray. Goes to Rick Barry. Golden State getting that ball moving. Intended for Barry. Barry, look at that pass. Rick Barry, look at that shot, would you? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Barry wants to make a move. There's a Barry. He's got his shot. Barry Sanchez, by the way, joining us here on 95.7 The Game. The Warriors also waiting the return of their big number two in the lottery pick of a year ago. And that being, no, he wasn't number two. What was, was he number two? He was number two overall. Yeah, yeah, overall. Oh, yeah. I get him and Trey Lance with these lottery picks confused <laughs> once in a while. But James Weissman, if I'm to read between the lines here and Shamari and I sort of differ on this and just listening to what it is that Steve Kerr had to say and even, you know, Steph Curry to a certain degree, it looks as though we shouldn't expect too much that he still is still so raw and the level of inexperience and the lack of games that maybe, you know, we should wait until next year before looking for that sort of impact or somebody to have some sort of a, somebody to, to, to fill some gaps and counter the bigs that they might see in the postseason, namely the DeAndre Aytons of the world. Well, I want to, I want to quickly stop you. You mentioned the number two pick. In my opinion, the greatest number two pick in all sports history is Number 24, one of the greatest Warriors in franchise history. The only player I think above him is Stephen Curry, and I believe he's with us. Is Rick Barry on the phone? Hello, surf man. Oh, there he is, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a pony, but what a treat. The one and only, the legend. This is way better than a pony. Rick Barry joins us here on 95.7 The Game. I got 94 thinking about the great number 24. Rick, thanks (laughs) so much for being here. How are you? How you been? Well, I'm. Uh, well, I tell people if I was doing any better, I'd be making a comeback in the NBA. But uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, I just heard you talking about the stuff. Stuff. Listen, if you can play, you can play. I mean, when he experience. Listen, if Wiseman's any good at all, he has talent and ability. Why would you not expect him to help you? Why even have him on your team? I mean, no. Oh, we'll wait till next year. Hey, we need him this year. So get your butt back out there. Go out and do the things you do. I talked to Draymond about him at All Star Weekend. I said, Draymond, you need to talk to him. You need to tell him, hey, look it. Don't worry about scoring a point. You go block shots, rebound, run the floor, get some offensive boards. I mean, and you'll be just fine. Help us out and do the little things that we need you to do to help us win basketball games. And if he does that, he'll be just a great addition to the team. Oh, the, the the golden pipes of Rick Barry. Nobody brings it stronger than this man. Hey, Rick, you know, I, I don't necessarily remember this, but, you know, in my lifetime, the Warriors have not had a legitimate big. Uh, Andrew Bogut was good, certainly, and I think instrumental in, in legitimizing this team and, and providing that NBA championship. Although, you know, on the offensive end, he wouldn't give you anything, but he could rim protect and he could pick and roll. I mean, don't you have to go back to the days of you and the pick and roll with Clifford Ray? and or a Nate Thurman to, mm. to actually find somebody that was a, a legitimate, and I mean on both ends of the floor, a guy who played that five spot, and that's why we're so desperate for someone like that of James Weissman to be that guy. 
Uh, well, you just you don't need somebody to have to do everything. I mean, there's you know there's not that many Nate Thurmans and Will Chamberlains and other people around. We'll you know just name the list of all the great big guys. I mean, we did it with the two-headed monster with George and, and George Johnson and, and Clifford Ray. I mean, Clifford was the physical, and George was the finesse guy. And depending upon who we were playing against, I mean, each one had an opportunity to contribute, and they did that exceptionally well. Uh, I remember Game Seven. Two of the biggest people cheering on the bench for us to beat Chicago in Game Seven to go to the finals were Clifford Ray and me. George Johnson was in there blocking everything that came in there. I was stinking up the gym, and Al had me on the bench late the third quarter into the fourth quarter. And that's what it takes. It takes everybody to contribute. So it, you don't have to have one guy. Between Clifford and George, they had numbers, you know, that were comparable to one big guy who can do it all. But we had a lot of versatility, and we had twelve fouls to use. Hey, so everybody always talks about James Wiseman being green and all these things. And, and, but from your perspective, as as remarkable as Kevon Looney is, he's just six foot nine. Is there? Could you kind of break it down for the listeners? Just the fact that James Wiseman is a legitimate seven feet tall and athletic. What type of impact that makes on a game, even if he might be out of position every now and again? Well, when you have the ability to be as mobile as he is, I mean, he's, he he can run the floor. Uh, he's quick. Uh, he's going to help. I mean, but again, he just needs to be given the direction, be told what to do, be sold some little tricks. Draymond can show him some things. He can have an impact. There's just no doubt about that. I mean, coming from the weak side to help intimidate people, you don't have to block shots. You just get a guy to change your shot. As long as he misses it, who the hell cares if you block it or not? If you block it out of bounds, what good is that anyway? It goes out of bounds and they get it back. And that's what Bill Russell used to be so great at, is just kind of tipping the ball and keeping it alive and starting a fast break with a great block shot. So Wiseman can contribute in a number of ways. Uh, again, very athletic. Got a nice shot. That's nice form as well. And he doesn't have to worry about whether he's scoring points or not. But if he moves and cuts and gets to the basket, runs the floor, he's going to get a lot of easy baskets. Just the Warriors are unselfish. They'll get the ball to him. They'll give him opportunities to put some points on the board. But that's not what they need from him. They need him to rebound, be an intimidator, help protect the rim, do those little, you know, the little dirty things that a lot of guys don't want to do. And I'm just looking forward to seeing him contribute to this team and giving him somebody with size. And you know, between he and Mooney, you can you can make it work. Rick Barry joins us here on 95.7 The Game along with Cyrus Sanchez. And, and Rick, you know, we just talked about Kevon Looney. We, we saw the hack looney by Denver employed in the last time those two teams met about a week ago. You also referenced George Johnson in that double-headed monster with him and Clifford Ray. Now, I know you influenced George Johnson to shoot free throws like you. His numbers went up significantly. Kevon Looney a guy that's struggling at the free throw line and teams know that good way to get the ball back. Uh, you know where I'm going with this. Why don't we see more teams and, or why don't they invite you to come down there and teach them to shoot that shot just to see it go through the hoop? Yeah, I really can't figure it out myself. I didn't know who cares what, how you look. The result is all that really matters. And especially when it's the only part of the game where no one's trying to prevent you from doing something offensively and score points. Uh, yeah, I don't understand it. What I really don't understand more than anything else is how teams allow players to tell them they're not going to do something. I mean, seriously. <laughs> so, I mean, you tell them, say, look, here's the deal. Rick Barry's going to come in here, and you're going to learn how to shoot underhand the free throws. How do you say, no, I'm not going to do that? You're a freaking employee. You're getting paid millions of dollars. This is your job. This is what you have to do if you want to have your job. If you don't want to have you want to do it, well, great, then go. Go find another job and just let them go. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what the hell is the deal? I mean, it's like Will Chamberlain in his last book, God Bless His you know, Rest His Soul. I mean, he's ended to running the asylum. I mean, it's insane that players can say they're not going to do something when you're getting paid millions of dollars. We're in the real world. Okay, so you guys, your boss tells you, this is what I want you to talk about on the next show. And you say, no, I'm not going to do that. Where are you going to be working next week? <laughs> uh, Back on Shamari's se- se- podcast. Yeah, 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven, Rick, 7-Eleven. That's and, where I'd go. <laughs> Rick, really quick. Uh, uh, first of all, the – what was your percentage from – and for those of you, by the way, Gen Y, Gen – the millennial, well, not millennials, the people that have not seen what I'm referring to, Rick Barry shooting free throws, one of the all-time greatest free throw shooters. He's going to tell us his percentage in a matter of moments, but you would shoot it underhand. I want you to talk about your percentage shooting underhand from the free throw line and, of course, one of the greatest shooters of all time. And, and also the Shaquille O'Neal. I know that that was a relationship that – the Lakers wanted you to get involved. Talk about that relationship with Shaq and trying to convert him to shooting free throws the way you did. Well, Shaq didn't want to have anything to do with it. Again, it's the same situation. I mean, here's a guy that's getting paid multi millions of dollars. He tells the team, no, I'm not going to do that. 
mean, and and he, <laughs> you know what would have changed? I mean, he would have won so many more championships instead of the go to the bench at the end of the game because you're a liability. He would have been the go to guy if he was an eighty percent or better free throw shooter at the end of any close game. You throw the ball him in the post, game is over because he's going to make eighty or more percent of the free throws. If you foul him, he's going to score a lot because he's so big and powerful and strong. And so the, the you know the the shack attack or the hack a shack would never existed. It would have made a big difference. He would have won multiple, multiple championships as a result of having a great free throw shooting form, regardless of what the style was. So I, I just, I'm dumbfounded by the, the mentality <laughs> of guys that think about that way. As far as I was concerned, I was never satisfied, and you should never be satisfied in what you're doing. It's a situation where I'm, I'm, I'm it's a situation. It's a situation where I'm sorry, I came. I was sitting under a cart. We're having a block party here, right? But, uh, it's nice and warm outside. So anyway, I I had uh, uh, I, I said you know I got to get better at this, and so I was never satisfied. I wound up shooting like ninety percent from my career overall, but my last six years I changed my technique and experimented and made uh, over ninety two percent. My last six years, my last two years, I shot over ninety four percent. In fact, Andre Drummond with the Pistons. Andre Drummond when he was with the Pistons in one game few years back, missed 23 free throws. 23 misses in one game. In my last two full seasons of playing, I missed 19. <laughs> so so you, were, you were mentioning that you you tweaked the style, and, and what was the the origin story, right? You talk about superheroes and, and Iron Man's. What was the origin story of the underhand free throw style? Well, they shot that way years ago. Two-hand set shots and two-hands underhand is the way that most of the players shot. That's the way my father was a semi-pro player and coach shot, and he just convinced me that I could shoot better. I was a mid-75% shooter, something in the mid-70s. And uh, I didn't want to do it because girls did it back that way. And I remember, like it was yesterday, son, they can't make fun of you if you're making them. And I always <laughs> remember that. I remember my first game in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, when I switched in high school. And I was on the road, and the guy yells in the stands, hey, Barry, a big sissy shoot like that. And I heard perfectly clear the guy next to him say, what are you making fun of him for? He doesn't miss. And so that was it. I was cool from that point forward, and <laughs> I kept shooting him. And I just I say, I just don't understand, because it's been studied, right? It's been studied. Physicists have studied, said it is the most efficient way to shoot it, the least amount of moving parts, a softer shot, Everything from a scientific standpoint says that that is the most efficient way to shoot, and yet you can't get people to do it. Figure that out. Hey, Rick, so great shooters like yourself, like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, et cetera. No, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. i got to stop you. I wasn't a great shooter. I was a great scorer. There's a big difference. When I hear these guys on television (laughs) who are former players talking about, hey, he's a lockdown defender. Hey, there is no such thing as a lockdown defender (laughs) in the world of basketball when you're guarding a scorer. You can lock down a shooter because he's limited in what he can do. I have too many ways to beat you. You can never lock me down. down. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is gold. This is gold, by the way. Nobody's going to ever lock Steph Curry down because Steph Curry is not only a shooter, a phenomenal shooter, he's a scorer. He can get to the basket. He can use both hands close to the basket. He's a great free throw shooter. He can shoot the mid-range shot. He can create his own shot. How in the world can you say that you can shut down Steph Curry? Never going to happen. You can't. Many have tried, and, and Della Vadova and all the step stoppers have been proven to to be myths. Yeah, when you there's talk no about- way you can do that. You just can't. You can't do that. What you hope is that he's having an off night, <laughs> that he's not shooting the ball particularly well. And what you try to do is get a shooter who and who's a scorer, get him to have to take more shots to get his average. If you do that, you've actually done a good job. When you talk about the the pure shooting of the basketball, what do the great shooters all have? It what is the trait? Like if I was okay. if I was trying to if pick out a shooter, a game, if you're going to watch a game, here's what you do: uh-huh. watch a game. If guys who shoot miss left and right on a consistent basis, they don't have good shooting form. Great shooters rarely miss left or right. They're a little short or a little bit long. They're a little flat and put a little too much effort and hit it long. They rarely, rarely miss left and right. And so that's a great way to know whether a guy is a great shooter. There's a lot of great shooters out there over the years who, who actually Kobe, um, Ray Allen, they all shot the ball a little bit flat. Probably the greatest guy with the shot to go ahead and open up the basket and give you the best chance to make it. And I just was talking to him actually on the weekend was, was Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, he mm. shot the ball up so high. And when you shoot it up and you basically say open the basket, you're giving that ball a chance to go in the entire area that the basket is there, the whole circumference, the whole area. 
because almost two balls can fit in there. When you shoot the ball a little bit flat, you take the first third of the basket out of play. So you have a much smaller target. So it's much more difficult to shoot a high a percentage when you have a flat shot. And you'll hit the front rim a lot of times, or you'll get to the back rim and the ball will hit and bounce way out. Rick Barry joining us here along with Cyrus Sanchez in 95.7 The Game. And, Rick, yeah, that's, that's an awesome point when you think about shooters, and especially flat shooters. You see a lot of that clanging off to the left and the right. Jonathan Kaminga, uh, just talk about this kid and not only, you know, where he's – what he's been able to do as a rookie, but the impact that he could have, yeah, his future is amazing. But this year, do you think that this is the the X factor? We know what Stephen Clay and the core can do, but people just don't know, including maybe the Warriors, just where this guy might be in a month and a half when you're talking about the postseason. It depends upon how much effort he's putting in on himself away from the game, you know, not just playing. Fortunately, he's getting some time. That's the greatest experience all is learning on the court playing. Uh, it looks like his shot's getting better. That's the one area he really needs to improve on to be a consistent shooter, be able to be, uh, you know, mid-30s from three-point range would be awesome. Uh, athletic as could be. What I liked about him more that I really watched him in uh, preseason and in the summer league and all is that he has a nice little feel for the game, and he actually sees people and gets the ball to people, so he's not a selfish player. Um, yeah, he definitely has an upside. There's no question to it. So it's just a matter of how much time and effort he's putting into it away from the practice sessions, doing things on his own, improving his shooting skills, and learning and getting an understanding of the game. What I loved about it when I watched the game when I was there with the Rockets, uh, sitting at the court when he did the the nice presentation that they had in honoring of Rick Wells, who did such a great job for the Warriors and good friend, is I, I watched Steph, something happened in the game, and I saw Steph talking to him. I mean, this is what he needs. He needs to get guys like Steph or Clay or Draymond talking to him when he's do, about the things that he did on the court or didn't do, compliment him on the good things. Tell him about some of the things he did that were not good and what he should have done. Have it be a learning experience every time he's playing. And getting that kind of input from those guys is way more important than getting it from the coaching staff. Mm. Hey, Rick. So the Comcast Business Text Line just requested this, and I actually think this is relevant. I don't know whether you have any opinion on this, but Steph has not – exactly been up to Steph's standard. He's still, he's still killing it and as far as anyone else is concerned. By his own standards, he's having a quote-unquote down year. And someone was just asking, what are your thoughts on what might have lead, what, what might be going on with Steph Curry's shot in, uh, this season? Well, here's the thing. See, the fact that you're even bringing it up. I mean, you're bringing up about a fact that a guy is not shooting the ball as well as he can shoot it, okay? Which 90% of the guys in the league would like to have his off shooting days <laughs> not, not the really bad days but i mean you know i mean come on he's shooting bad so he's just shooting 36 38 i mean most guys would kill to have 36 to 38 percent and he's not having an off year he's just not shooting the ball as consistently well as he usually has done it and that happens you go through stretches like that but i would think of anything i don't know i haven't seen the last couple of games they played what how he shot and everything but he certainly put on a freaking show <laughs> all-star weekend that was insane <laughs> what he was doing there but it shows you what he's capable of doing so, you know, Steph Curry having an off time is not something to be even worried or concerned about. I mean, there's no telling when he's going to be able to turn it on and just put stupid numbers up, just like he did in the All-Star game. I mean, some of the shots he made there were crazy. The one I loved, he shot it, like, very close to where I was sitting. I was sitting by a lot of money, I'll tell you that. I was sitting <laughs> by Tim Wood and, and, uh, and, and Bomber, <laughs> multi-multi-billionaire guys. He took a shot, turned, and looked at us, and he said, did it go in? Did he? he knew it went in. Then another time he shot it and started running down the court. I mean, that's the kind of feel that he has that he knows when it leaves his hand. But what I love about Steph, he's had such a good time playing the game, and I watch him very carefully because I look a lot differently than most players or people watch when I watch games. I can just see how mad he is when he misses shots. I mean, he expects so much from himself, and I love that about him. He's another one that's never satisfied. He's the guy that took himself from someone with no great reputation coming in who was questionable as to how good he was ever going to be as a pro and made himself into an MVP player. I mean, you just have to respect the guy. He and Steve Nash are the two guys I think about when I saw what they did coming out of college to turn themselves into the great players they became. We got a couple more minutes here with the legend Rick Barry, Cyrus Sanchez, also joining us here on 95.7 The Game. And, Rick, I just got to ask, because I, I could just you know see you coming off that, that Clifford Ray pick, and what would your game be like if you had the three-point line back in the day? Oh. Well, I had it for a little while, but I never shot from that far. I got to be a 33% shooter, which is like 50 from twos, and that's certainly acceptable. But if I were playing today, 
that's one area that I would probably go out and work. I'm not probably. I mean, I would go out and work my butt off. I would not be happy with myself if I couldn't be a 40% or better three-point shooter. Uh, but it, it certainly would have been a different story with three-point shooting. I mean, I, I probably could average the year I had 30, whatever it was. I led the league in scoring. I probably would have been up around 40 at least. But you know, if used properly, it's a great weapon. But it can kill you. I mean, Game 7, Warriors-Cleveland killed them in Game 7. That's all they did was shoot three-pointers the last four minutes and 20 seconds, and they lost. I don't know why they kept doing that, but that was like giveaway. They should have won that championship. So you have to be careful how you use it. It's like anything in life. Too much of any one thing is not necessarily always good, and too much of the threes can be a detriment to a team. But it's it's a whole different dynamic. It's changed the game tremendously. I mean, I, I look at rosters now in some teams, and I just say, how in the world can you have a, a wing player on your team who can't shoot in the 30s from three-point range? He's a liability. You need to get rid of him and get somebody else. In today's game, wing players have to be able to shoot the ball at 30% or better, and the, and the higher the better to actually be more to be the most effective team that you can be. It's an integral part of the game today. I mean, a lot of teams are shooting 40, 50, 60, 70 free throws, 73 pointers in one game. It's astonishing <laughs> what's happening with it. Hey, Rick, so out of the young guys, we, we spoke Kaminga, we spoke Wiseman. You also have Moody, you have Jordan Poole in the mix there. It's like the, the next generation. Out of these young guys, who's your favorite to watch play? Well, I tell you, here's the thing is that I think that you have to give a lot of credit to Poole because when he first came in, Cyrus will tell you when we were doing our, our podcast together, I was not a fan of his. I mean, I, I just don't think he was playing well. He thought he was Steph Curry taking horrible shots. <laughs> and I think the awakening was is they sent him down to the G League, you know, say, hey, you, you know, you got to play better than this and be more consistent. And to his credit, he did that. But also the fact that he was able to come back, be playing well, doing a great, terrific job, and then Clay comes back, and now all of a sudden he's got to go and be a reserve, come off the bench, and he seems to have accepted that role. And so you have to admire that, that he mm -hmm. is being a team player, and that's what players have to do. So I'm, I'm really proud of him, and then he's not been taking this crazy shots from three-point range. He's going to the basket, and he's doing a lot of other good things. So. Uh, I would have to say that he's someone that I like. I think, you know, Moody's another guy I can shoot the three. He doesn't get as much time um, as as Kaminga's getting, but it's going to be important to have him as well because he's a guy that can come in the game and knock down some threes for you and seems to have a pretty good feel for the game also. We got to get to a break. Otherwise, we would talk to you until next Tuesday. <laughs> he is the legend, Rick Barry. Rick, thanks so much for spending part of the day with us. And Cyrus, hey, next time we'll let you actually get in front of the mic and it's say okay, something. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm always in awe just listening to Rick, man. It's neat. It is, yeah. it is Amazing. Well, awesome. Every uh, NBA uh, team out there that they're not paying this man for that. Cyrus it's can help crazy. me tell you guys. I got to get two plugs in. Got to go to medicinaleaf.com and put code 24 and go to GoSleeves.com and put RB24, small letters, RB24, and then 24 in Medicinaleaf. It's a cannabinoid company. Great, some great products that I use daily, and I highly recommend them. So check those out. Meanwhile, go Warriors. Let's hope that they get things together. they got enough time for, uh, for Wiseman to come back and play enough to, to get himself ready to be a contributor to the run for the championship. Hey, hey right. Rick, we're going we're gonna to plug that, uh, your two things. We're going to put that up on the 957thegame.com uh, Twitter. I'm also going to retweet it. On my Shamari Black, the block is hot right. three Twitter. All right. Appreciate it, guys. All the best to everybody. God bless. Now, here is Rick Barry. Uh, this was at the All-Star Games NBA Alumni Legends Lounge, where Rick was talking to basketballnews.com and Alex Kennedy, more specifically, about today's NBA. Well, everything changes. Everything improves. I mean, whatever it is in life. I mean, just look at look at what you're using right here. Okay, the freaking phones. Yeah. Cell phones. I mean, shit, there's more power in that than when they went to the moon, for God's sake. So, yes, things change. Everything's going to change. Everything's going to evolve. And it's done that with the game. You know, some things are good. Some things aren't so good. Um, you know, I mean, too much one-on-one -on -one a lot of times for a lot of teams, which to me is really boring to watch. Um, you know, play team basketball. Pass, cut, move. Make the defense make some freaking decisions. And play unselfishly, and that's kind of fun to watch. And play defense, you know, commit yourself to defense. That's one of the reasons, you know, the Warriors are doing well. It's one of the reasons Cleveland's doing well. You know, they're they're a big surprise this year. They're a good defensive team. They keep themselves in the game, and so the game is simple. 
You know, you call me a purist, you know, old school. No, this is the way the game was designed to be played. And it doesn't matter whether you're shooting threes or not. I mean, you just you adjust your defense. You adjust accordingly. You don't go under screens. You jump screens. You, you just take away the three-point shot for a lot of people. I mean, you just play smart defense and make the other team have to earn what they're getting and don't make it easy for them. Make sure they're always getting challenged. You don't give them easy pass to the basket. You watch some of these games, the guy's 20 feet from the basket, he winds up driving in for a dunk. What are you, kidding me? Where the hell is the defense? I mean, that's a total breakdown in defense. So, I mean, it's not a complicated game, and yet they do make it complicated. So I, I just... I have a hard time. You get so caught up in athleticism. You know, you take the athlete. Give me the guy who knows how to play. So you know, it's great that you say that because it was interesting. People keep talking about '75 and how the game has evolved, and you're like, it really hasn't. It's still basically the same no, the, game. Well, well, it's the, it's it's the same game, but it's not played the same way because there's there more emphasis on the three-point shooting. There's too much emphasis on one-on-one -on -one stuff, and and they, they they still sometimes abuse the three-point shot. I mean. The three-point shot used properly is a great weapon. It's a great weapon, but it shouldn't be your primary weapon. The Warriors lost the championship because they did nothing but shoot three-point shots in Game 7 against Cleveland when LeBron made that incredible block. But other than that Iggy's breakaway, every shot they took was a distance three-point shot. It was just everything from the perimeter. Go to the damn basket. Get to the free-throw line. Put some points on the board. That was one of the worst seventh games in the history. Was probably the worst last four minutes and twenty or forty seconds of NBA Finals Game Sevens in the history of the league. One three-point shot by Kyrie Irving, one of two free throws by LeBron James. That was it. It was horrible. So you don't see them really the league and, and having to do anything. Let's say we're talking about the seventy-five. Well, we should get the officials. Get the officials to call them by the rule book. Okay. Stop the traveling. Stop the carrying the ball. Stop the moving screens. Call the damn game according to the rule book because players will adjust. If you're going to allow them to get away with it, tell. Of course, I'll keep doing it. Call the game according to the rule book. It's such an advantage to let a guy carry the basketball or take an extra step. That's ridiculous. You know, or a guy to move on offense. I mean, what are you giving all this advantage to guys? They're breaking the rules. Call the game according to the rule. I charted a game a few years ago, Chicago-Atlanta. 59 moving screens weren't called. 59. That's insane. I can't even tell you how many times they carried the ball, how many times they traveled with the ball. It's pathetic. It's, I mean, for me to watch this game the way I was taught how to play the game and to watch this and what they allow to let go, it's an embarrassment. I'm sorry, it is. It's an incredible game. The athletes are incredible. What they can do is incredible. But they're getting in the way with murder. And it's, I blame the officials. Call the damn game accordingly. And it's the same thing with screens. I mean, I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a good lesson here. Okay? You hear even the coaches, when I'm hearing the coaches saying, well, he didn't set a very good screen. Trust me, guys. A player doesn't set a screen doesn't say when you have to set something and implies that you need to do something, you have to set a screen. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility, as my teammate for Clifford Ray, let's say, is to learn to put yourself in the most advantageous position to allow me to take my man and run my man into him, thereby making him a screener. He's a stationary object. He only becomes a screener if I run my man into him. So if I do a crappy job of setting my man up and he's going to come over the screen, what does he think? Well, I'm supposed to set a screen. So he moves a little bit to try to what? Set a screen. That's a violation. It's a moving screen. It's a foul. Officials don't call it unless you take a guy's head off. That's the problem with the pick and roll play. They don't run it properly, they don't understand it properly, and even the coaches are talking in adequate, or in, in, uh, not intelligently about it. It's not, you don't set a screen. You put yourself in position to become a screener. I mean, it, it, seriously, that's, I mean, it's pretty simple. You said there's so much emphasis on the one-on-one -on -one and the three. What I asked Elvin earlier actually is connecting guys that are playing now with players from the past and watching that era of basketball and them respecting your guys' like era. Um, is there like a good way for you guys to connect those two generations or like a better way? Well, you know, first of all, why, what are you comparing 20 years ago to today? I mean, it's a different game. I mean, just compare the guys today and what they're doing to the guys that are playing today. Don't compare them before. People say, oh, Rick, you guys couldn't play today. I said, you're out of your mind. I said, you must be on drugs. I said, you know how much better I would be if I was playing today? Seriously. 
I had no weightlifting. We had no strength coach, no agility coach. We had no dietitian. We did everything. We did nothing to help us. I'd be faster, stronger, quicker, more endurance, jump higher. I'd be so much better a basketball player today than I was back when I played because of the training and the sophistication of what goes on in every sport. So to say that statement is insane. Okay, All yeah. of us would be way better, way better. Plus the fact we knew how to play. I got it. Okay. We actually knew how to run a pick and roll play properly. We understood the game. A lot of these players don't understand the game. They have so much unbelievable talent, they don't know how to utilize it properly. And as good as some of them are, they'd be a lot better if they really knew how to use that incredible God-gifted talent that they have. But they don't because they weren't taught the game properly. And last but not least, here is Rick joining me on a Friday's episode of Locked on Warriors. Golden State Warriors are now have now lost seven of their last nine games. They're about to drop into the three seed. And when I'm flummoxed and when I'm confused and when I want basketball answers, I always turn to one of the greatest players in the history of the game, one of the brightest minds in basketball, the legend himself, Rick Barry. How you doing, sir? Are you ready to do this? Well, I'm ready. I don't know what you're reaching out to me for. I should, if I had all the answers, I'd be betting on games and winning a fortune. <laughs> As I told everybody, I wouldn't bet a nickel on an NBA basketball game. I've been there. I've seen it all over the years as a fan as a broadcaster and, you know, as a coach, I mean, you just don't know what I said, always expect the unexpected in the NBA. And most teams there's only been, I think maybe one team, uh, the one bulls team and all that never went through a situation where they struggled for a few weeks or more. I mean, it's very difficult to maintain a high level of performance for 80 something games. And uh, the Warriors are obviously going through their tough time right now. I mean, when you lose a key player, um, that's a big factor. You know, Draymond, everybody knows, is an important factor for the success of the Warriors. And, you know, Clay missed a few games. So hopefully this will be their their down moment of the season and they'll get over it and get back to playing good ball going into the playoffs because it's not how you're playing now that matters. It's how you're playing come playoff time. There you go. And that's the Hall of Famer. We'll delve into that and so much more. That was a record-setting cold open, and I love it. This is Locked On Warriors. <laughs> On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can follow Hall of Famer Rick Barry on Twitter at Rick Twenty Four Barry. In fact, on all social media platforms, follow him there. You can follow me on Twitter at Dog Surf Roadshow. I'm using. My computer mic today, Dieter, uh, my, my broadcast partner for this venture for a few days a week, uh, recommended it, so I'm giving it a try. Uh, who cares about that? The point is, Rick, you're with me. I love it. Um, you were just talking about the Warriors a moment ago. Uh, this, But this slide has been extensive. Like the, the Warriors, to put it in perspective, on Christmas Day when they beat the Suns at Phoenix were 27-6. and six. Since then, I believe they are 16-14. Uh, uh, and 14. That's, I mean, that's 500 balls spanning multiple months. They were, they, they'd lost three of five when Draymond was playing. Um, based on your observation skills, which I value tremendously, sir, uh, what, what are you seeing that's wrong with this team? Like, why are, are things not the way they were spanning two plus months now? Yeah, well, I mean, as I say, in the opening, I mean, if you have key people who are out, especially somebody like Draymond, who just does so many different things, I mean, is there somebody on the Warriors bench that comes in and does the things that Draymond does? Probably not. Um, no. And so that creates an issue. And then, you know, then of course, Steph went through his shooting slump until he got to the All-Star game and put on that amazing show that he put on. But so you have those kinds of factors. You know, I mean, recently, Clay's missed a couple of games. He's still trying to get himself back after the extended period of time that he was away from the game and, and you know, thought that was coming along nicely. So these things happen. I I'm not a worry ward. I mean, this is gonna this is gonna happen. This is a good time for it to happen. Better now than you know happening True. in April, late April. True. Uh, yeah. Get get through this. Get yourself back together. Hopefully, get Wiseman back. You know, that's coming closer and closer. You know, for him to hopefully see what he's going to be able to do. Get Draymond healthy. You know, have Clay keep improving, and you know, and they'll be fine. I mean, they know that they're capable of winning and playing well. They're just going through a very difficult time right now. But even then, as you mentioned, as poorly as things have been since since the end of the year and the start of this new year, they're still playing over 500 basketball. Yeah, 
But the standards are high, right? I mean, I'm sure the standards yeah, well, were. The problem is, is that they set a high standard to begin with. I mean, they were surprised yeah. to play as well as they did, and so everybody expected that to go on. I mean, come on, you know, it, this all of a sudden you don't go from the from the outhouse to the penthouse necessarily, you know, that quickly. <laughs> so, not, I'm not well, how about? Hey, so wait, sorry, sorry. I'm, you know, well, yeah, well, let's you know talk in the middle of April and let's see what's going on. That's that's more important than at this particular stage. It's it's crazy to worry just it's just not makes no sense i mean things change so quickly another team gets hurt i mean just look at what's going on who would have thought that possibly the nets and the lakers would be in the playoff to get into the playoffs the playing game yeah no the lakers are a disaster that, and that's always my, that's always my feel good whenever i come down about the warriors yeah. about the nba is that stuff like this happens especially nowadays this stuff happens so frequently, and it just makes it interesting, I think, for, for the fans and for everybody because you really can't figure it out. I mean, I'm just telling people, you're listening here. If you bet on NBA basketball games, God bless you. Good luck to you. I mean, you got to be crazy to do that. I would. I mean, I knew the game inside out, and I, I go and say, well, who should win this game? And the next thing you know, I mean, you think about that, okay? When Boston went down and played, uh, I think it was Boston played in Philly, or beating them in, uh -huh. in Philly by over 50 points in their building i mean that's embarrassing and they i mean that is it's it's crazy the stuff that happens sometimes in nba basketball games it's just it really is insane but I'm, I'm not concerned at this particular juncture um they've got plenty of time to the old cliche right to ship because the ship is definitely floundering right now um uh, so we'll see we'll see what happens I want to point out a few things. So, and one thing, one of many things I love about you is you strive for greatness. You you respect and understand just how special it is to reach the pentalum of whatever it is you're striving for and competing for. And it's it's not an easy thing to attain. And I we saw greatness from this team early in the season, and we're not seeing it now. How much blame? Like, do you do do you believe in the philosophy of like blaming front offices for making decisions that seem very obvious? Like, I feel like the layman would look at this roster construction. You and I were saying the same thing at the beginning of the season, and it looks at it and goes, okay, this team is small. In basketball, you do need size. That's just the reality of things. I'm like, like, I don't know, should we be pointing a finger at anyone? Like, or, do you, or are you saying just wait until April and then start pointing fingers? Or don't point fingers at all. I don't know, what's your uh, philosophy and all that? Well, I mean, as I say, they, they've been a surprise. I mean, nobody expected them to be doing this with Wiseman out. I mean, this is a big surprise in the beginning of the season. And then other people were getting their acts together and starting to play well. And uh, and the Warriors, you know, have been struggling since the first of the year. I mean, it's just one yeah. of those things that happens. I, I'm not overly concerned about it. I mean, if Wiseman comes back and is able to contribute and do the kind of things we'd like him to do, we talked about that before. It wasn't on this show, but... We discussed it. Might have been on on the Rick Barry show. We discussed what was going on. Uh, no, actually, it was on. You were on the guest show on one of the uh, one of the radio stations that I joined you on. And uh, oh and we yeah, the ninety five in the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so and we talked about that. I mean, this is this is part this is part of the season. This is part of what NBA basketball is generally all about. And so now it's just a matter of if the pieces come back healthy. And again, there's enough games to be able to get themselves together and start playing well again. And that's, will they do it? Who the heck knows? I, I don't know. I mean, will the teams that are playing good, wait, all of a sudden, Phoenix may all of a sudden hit a bad stretch late in the season and then get knocked out in the first round in the playoffs. You just don't know an injury to a key player. That's why it just kills me. But well, who do you like right now? Well, who the hell cares who you like right now? It doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you just you, you deal with things as they come about. I mean, who I can't I, I can't get to the to the answer to it right now. I don't have the answer to it. I'd see you just have to wait and see. Let time see. What are you throwing up here? Look at these stats of Andrew Wiggins this season. This, yeah, this is a because Wiggins is one person I am pointing a finger at right now. And, and this stat during last night's game really stuck out to me before January 14th. Uh, his percentage of, of shots from beyond the arc were 37%. Since then, that's gone up to 44, meaning he's, he's throwing up more threes. His percentage of shots from mid-range, which is something he uh, – I, I, again, I don't, I don't know what you trust in terms of Wiggins' shot selection, but he was shooting from mid-range 15% of his shots from there. Now they're 25. His percentage of shots from the paint, where he's developed the post game, he was nearly half of his shots – 
were in the paint before January 14th. Now it's 30%, drastic drop off. And his points per game have dropped off from 18.6 when he was an all-star starter to 15.5, which we're seeing now. We haven't hit him. We haven't seen Wiggins hit the 20-point mark since January. Okay, uh, well, let's is that, Cyrus. Let's throw that into the equation. That's another factor of why they're struggling. So they've got an all-star <laughs> player who's with statistics like that that's showing you. That's just another negative thing that's happening with them right now, yet they're still playing 500 ball. And so they just have to get – you know, they got to get things back together again. I mean, it's obvious that Wiggins is not playing the same style of basketball that he played previously where he was more productive. So he needs to go back. Here's the thing. Like they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. The old saying, right. right? Yes. Okay. Broken. So what is he doing? Why is he taking more three point? Hey, if he was doing that and scoring more points, great. But if you're not playing as well as you did before, go back to doing what you were doing before. That's a pretty simple Absolutely. fix right there. Absolutely right. When we come back, Rick, I want to talk about a documentary you've been pushing for for a long time, focused on your 1975 World Championship team, which many yourself consider to be uh, was was considered to be pulling off the greatest upset in history of sports, um, at least of the four well, major professional always, sports. Say the major sports in the U.S. I mean, there's been a lot of right, fair enough happening around the world, but I mean, I I've gone over it, and we, we'll talk about it when we come back. Absolutely. And obviously, I want to pump up everything that's going on in your life. You are a legend server. First, let's quickly talk about a longtime sponsor of this show, Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online remains the best spot. For all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. And speaking of BetOnline.net, the Warriors play the Lakers tomorrow in LA, and they are favored by five and a half. The over under is 224.5. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. It's BetOnline.ag and BetOnline.net where the game starts. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. He is the legend, a member of the NBA 75th anniversary team, a Hall of Famer, a Warriors legend, Rick Barry. You can follow him on Twitter and all social media platforms at Rick24Barry. Sir, you have been, you've taken on like every role imaginable. In addition to your playing career, you coached, you're a media professional. Uh, Having been a broadcaster on major networks and then some, you're an author, you're a published author. Um, what are you working on now? Let's talk about this documentary. You've been pushing for this for a long time. It's focused on that 1975 team. Uh, when can we expect it? What's it going to entail? Take over, sir. Well, I really don't have the details because actually Hopper, uh, Charles Dudley, our, you know, one of our backup guards on the championship team, uh, got involved with doing some things. I mean, I wish we had communicated a little bit more because I had a whole bunch of people very, very interested in this and really big name uh, producers and directors and uh, finance people and all, but you know he got it going and he had already started and done some interviews with Jamal and other people and we're having a big thing coming up here tomorrow actually in in Atlanta that do something. Butch will be here, Butch Beard will be here, and Jeff Mullins will be here, Clifford will be here. We're going to be doing more interviews and I just want the story to get out there. My whole thing about it is, is that I've always felt that my teammates have never been given the recognition they deserve for what we pulled off of without question, the greatest upset in the history of NBA finals. Uh, Nothing's even remotely close to it. Uh, The fact that there's never been a documentary about our team where they have documentaries about everything you can possibly imagine that's been out there, you know, you know, whatever it may have been. Um, yeah, I mean, why this team? Why would you not have the greatest upset in the history of one of the major professional sports in here have a documentary have been done about it? I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever. And for me, um, the way I was going to approach it was that it was going to be to tell the story of my teammates and what they did and how they came together and, and Clifford Ray coming to the team and all. I'm hoping 
I'll find out more when I meet the people involved, when I do my interviews coming up, um, and try to talk to them a little bit, try to plant a little seed in their head as to what I would like to see happen. But this is Charles' product, uh, project now. And, and hopefully they'll get that message out there because I don't want it. It's not about me. I mean, I got plenty of recognition. I was MVP of the series and whatever. And, you know, I have my ring and which I have here, which is like the only ring I wear. And um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but it's going to be great just to get the story out there so that there's some documentation of exactly what took place during that remarkable uh, Cinderella type of season that we had. Sorry, I was muted there. That's that's incredible. Um, you, I, I, in your opinion, what do you think should be highlighted? Like, let's say this was going the direction you wanted, where you were hosting hosting this uh, this documentary and and steering it in your direction. Like, are there any players you feel like that should be given attention to more? Are there moments like yes? Like, what do you think? What, what, yeah, please go ahead. Without question, I mean, I keep telling people the most important person on the championship team was not me; it was Clifford Ray. Clifford Ray was the hub of the thing. He's the one that got guys together. Uh, he called a meeting with the team uh, you know, without me even being there. I mean, it's, and so I'm sure that story will get in there, but um, yeah, without Clifford, I don't think it all happens to be honest with you. I mean, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why we were not even picked to be a playoff team because we traded a hall of fame center to get a young guy coming from Chicago who didn't have a big reputation and, and then we had another center and we had the two headed center monster, you know, and George Johnson and Clifford Ray, the physical guy and the finesse guy. And there's so many things that happened with that. And then the moves made, you know, picking up Bill Bridges late in the season. I mean, that was mainly for the Chicago series. And I mean, things were done properly. And we had the only other veteran guy of any significance that, you know, had played, had a good career, but was at the end of his career was Jeff Mullins, who was a great contributor to the team. So, yeah. And, you know, and then, and then Butch Beard. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I don't think we repeated. They traded Butch Beard away. I mean, this is crazy after we won the championship and our starting freaking point guard and uh, traded him away. And you, you just don't screw Money, up. Right. You, you don't screw up the chemistry of, of a team, a team successful. Don't screw it up. Don't start trading off people and doing all kinds of crazy things. And I, I really think letting Butch go was nuts. I and mean, that's a, a story in and of itself. I mean, he wasn't let go because anything wrong that he did. I mean, the, the crazy part about it is just the, it's the general manager trade him because he couldn't stand dealing with his wife at the time. That's right. Oh it's like insane. That is insane. That is absolutely yeah. totally insane. insane. And we had so many guys that did jobs. And, you know, how many teams even have two rookies be such an integral part of a team's success winning a championship? I mean, we had Jamal, who was rookie of the year. And, uh, and and who was Keith at the time, Keith Wilkes. And then, of course, you know, Phil Smith, who went on to have a really nice career. And unfortunately, he's no longer with us. And but he was a heck of a he was a heck of a player. So, uh, yeah, we, we had a great chance of being back to back champions. And we let that slip through our fingers. That'll haunt me for the rest of my life. So, uh, well, Rick, if you don't mind, man, I want to dispel a ridiculously ignorant myth that's that's still out there. And it's out there partly because Bill Simmons perpetuated it largely from the voice of the Phoenix Suns current broadcaster. He's been doing that job for so long. He's still in it. And that is the rumor. And that's all this is. And I'd love for you to clarify this once and for all that you got in a fight in a game. And your teammates allegedly did not come to your back and you basically just grumped and were not happy and that you stopped shooting the ball as a result of that. Please clarify to the world what really happened in that game and, and reveal the truth, please. Well, if anybody believes that, then they have to be smoking dope or drunk. a lot do a lot do still I mean, do. It's, it's insane. It's it's it, if anybody knows me to think that I, that I would go out, and not play my best to try to get back to win another championship. They have to be crazy to think that I would do something of that nature. Plus, I saw something on, on I, I don't know, it was YouTube or someplace else. I, they had video of the fight. My, some of my teammates were coming over to do it. was with Ricky Sobers. I saw that too. It was it Ricky Sobers. I mean, it wasn't like nobody was coming over to do anything. It had nothing to do with it. And it was such BS, the fact that I went in and looked at the video and saw that my teammates didn't come to me. And then I would pout it like a little child. Okay, well, fine, Dad. Go do it by yourself. No. I mean, it's such a crock. I can't even believe that people made this up. And, you know, Al McCoy. I and mean, so he's one of the guys that got that started. Oh, well, Rick Barry was exactly. going to Exactly. Yes. It's such BS. Uh, the bottom line is we stopped playing and doing the things we should have. To be honest with you, my whole thing, and, and that that's again, that's the next year. It's not the championship year. It was the second year after or the first year. Yeah. 
I, I should have been the Bill Simmons quote dick that he called me, and I should have been and gone in the second half of that game and said, hey, get me the damn ball because I wasn't getting the ball, okay? And I should have demanded the ball. If I had to do it over again, I would say, you know, like Bird did at times, saying, hey, screw it, get me the ball. And I didn't do that. I kind of let us play. I tried to do it and get us back in there. We were doing too many things that weren't indicative of the way we normally would play. I tried to get us back in it. We were coming back. There was a pick and roll play with, with Clifford and I, and I threw a ball to Clifford and things. Somehow it got knocked loose or whatever. And Al Adams, Al, Alvin Adams went down and got a dunk, and that kind of sealed the game for them. But we were making a comeback, had a chance to come back. I watched the highlights saying Rick Barry wouldn't do it. He wasn't, wouldn't shoot the ball. I was making passes to my teammates who were open. I saw that. I, mean, I saw that. I've seen that video. I've it's seen like, that video. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, it's unbelievable to me that somebody would think that I would do that. I mean, anyway, well, it Al is what it is. And, and- no, but this pisses me off a lot because Al, Al McCoy was Bill Simmons' source for this. It's in his book. And I, I still don't understand why Al McCoy won't simply – I mean, people just revere him because for 50 years he's been the Suns broadcaster. This is gross misinformation that's been produced out there. And this was from Game 7 of the of the Western Conference Finals the following year, correct, in 76? Yeah, is that what yeah this we was lost in Game 7. And, and, but, they, you know, the rule was changed in that series where the rule came in where you can't foul off the ball in the last two minutes because we had the game one in Phoenix. And I don't know why what happened is there a timeout was called. I was running back. They scored a best. I was running back to get the ball. They would have had to foul me in the last minute. And if they found me, I make the free throws. We're going to win because there is no three point shot at that time. So we call a timeout. And then during the timeout to John McLeod's credit, you know, he and Al Bianchi were the coaches, his assistant. We took the ball in bounds and, and Derek Dickey threw it into me and they fouled Derek off the ball out of bounds intentionally. And that's where the rule came in that you can't intentionally foul off the ball in the last two minutes. And so unfortunately didn't make both of those free throws. They came down and Keith Erickson, I think shot a shot and made whatever it is. And the next thing you know, we're down by one and we run a play at the end. And it was a play that Al had gotten up, and it was a play we ran a lot. And I would get, I could run off my man off of three different people and hopefully try to set up a guy running them into three screen, three, maybe give these guys screeners. You know how I am about it. You don't set a screen, I create screens with my teammates. I was wide open. <laughs> I was wide open. And the ball got passed in to Jamal, who was open in the corner as well. And Gar Hurd came out and got a finger on Jamal's shot, and we wound up losing. Um, mm. in a game down in Phoenix, which, you know, made the difference in the series. So, I mean, not that I remember these things very clearly. I mean, only, you know, that's how many years ago? That's like 45 years ago, and I can still remember. I wasn't alive yet. I was, this was two years before I was born, sir. I, 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 yeah, and but I, you, you're absolutely right. I went in – the first time I ever actually read that – uh, that story. I went and saw the YouTube video. Your player, your teammates did not look in any way like they were avoiding you. They didn't look like anything was wrong. It, like when the fight happened, I saw your teammates come there. I saw no indication of what uh, what was eventually became McCoy's story, which then Bill Simmons picked up. It was it was asinine. Rick, I know, I know. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I mean, I just it's it's just insults. It's an insult to me. It's a, a total. It is. And I haven't, I've never run into Bill Simmons or seen him at all. I don't think if I really want to, but if I do and everything, I'm going to say, I said, I hope you're going to apologize to me. I said, you owe me apology. I said, how, how can you call me a dick in your book? You don't even know me. I mean, that's, you're absolutely right. That's you're absolutely right. That. that, that is, the, that is a violation of journalism ethics in every regard. Rick, I got I got a real quick pump up some bill bars here and then we'll wrap things up with you. Uh, I finally got my shipment of Built Bars. Rick, I'm going to send you some as well. These things are, they are delicious. And they're full of protein. They're light on calories. They're light on sugar. They only have four grams of sugar per bar. Your average candy bar has 30, uh, only four net carbs. Whereas candy bars has dozens of net carbs. Yet each Built Bar has 17 grams of protein. Cookies and cream is my favorite flavor. Rick, what do you want me to send you? I'm going to send you some, some uh, Built Bars. Well, you know, I try to take care of myself and try to eat relatively healthy. As everybody cheats now and then, which I do too. But I mean, so what, what flavors do they have? Because that sounds great. Low sugar, low, I mean, low carbs. That's awesome. And hot, and it's covered in, in milk chocolate. So what, and I'm, I'm a chocolate nut. Yeah. So it's, here are the flavors. Mint, here's what I can send you. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, which David Locke, the founder of this, uh, of this network, the radio play-by-play announcer for the jazz. He loves those. Um, and then cookies and cream is my personal favorite. Those are the four main ones. <laughs> Coconut, I can also, 
Done. I'll send that to you. And then cool. next time you come on, maybe if you want to talk Wait, about yeah. it, all the better. Those would be great to have as, you know, as a little snack or something in my pickleball bag when I'm playing in a tournament or something, you know. You know, sir. Uh, and at Built Bar, they're all about the taste. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, LOCKED15 is a promo code for 15% off at Built.com. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Rick Barry has his own podcast as well, The Rick Barry Show. If you just search Rick Barry on podcast platforms, it'll come right up. Part of the Warriors 24 Podcast Network. Thank you so much for coming on with me, Rick. I want to uh, real quick pump up a couple of companies that are um, endorsing you. And these are legitimately great products. You want to lead the way, sir, and I'll share the screens uh, for the YouTube viewers. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I the medicinal leaf uh, out of up in Santa Rosa area. Uh, it's a cannabinoid company, and we're sponsors for the Professional Pickleball Association. And I know the players there. Boy, they come in and get stuff put on them before they play, and just love it. Great, high quality. That's the biggest thing in the cannabinoid world is to know the quality of the product you're going to get. And I, I've never found anything that has as much strength as they have. I mean, they've got one of their salves has 5,500 milligrams of, of various cannabinoids. It's not just CBD. Everybody hears about CBD. It's a cannabinoid company. There are over 130 cannabinoids in the plant. <laughs> and so they're, they're doing research to find and isolating them and finding out more and more things that can be done with the different cannabinoids. So I, I use this stuff on a daily basis. I love it. And you go to the website, medicileaf.com, M-E-D-I-C-I-L-E-A-F.com, and use the code 24. You get a nice discount on those products. Uh, as I say, I use them all the time. And then Ghost Sleeves, another Bay Area company down in the South, South Bay. Ghost Sleeves, S-L-E-E-V-E-S.com. Put RB24 in the code. I've been trying to get stuff to do this, and I don't even know if they've done I saw Draymond. I left some stuff off with the trainer at the Warriors. I don't know if he's even given them to Clay or given it to, to, to uh, Draymond to wear with kinesio tape built in if they if they haven't been given those then that, that's um, that's really sad to me because these are these can help possibly help these guys why would you not try anything i love the product myself i wear them every time i'm playing pickleball you could just go to the site and look at some of the uh testimonials by people and and, and why if those guys haven't had these on to try them to help them to to not only to recuperate and stuff or to help them get better uh, is beyond me. I, I don't know. That's very disappointing to me. I, I try to do the right thing, and um, I, I don't even know if these guys have even gotten them and given them to him. Draymond said he hadn't had them, and I sent them there specifically mm -hmm. for him and also for Clay and any of the other guys that could use these products. So that's a disappointing thing to me. It really is. I mean, guy, God, just try anything in the world if it's not going to hurt you to see if it can help make you better. I mean, your body is your livelihood, and if they're being withheld from them, then I think that's a disservice to them. I 100% agree, and, and hopefully the Gold State Warriors get that message. Let Clay and Dre heal properly. Rick, you, you people can follow you on all social media platforms at Rick 24 Barry. Uh, any predictions for Saturday's nationally televised Warriors-Lakers game before we wrap things up? Hopefully the Warriors will play a little bit better and come away with the victory with a struggling, uh, obviously very much so, struggling team with the Lakers. Uh, one last thing, tell people to go to uh, Pickleball Connections uh, is where they should try to check that out. Just do pickleball connections and zoom, you know, not zoom it, but on Google pickleball connections. And you should be able to get on that site. And there's an opportunity there. If you love pickleball to become an ambassador and you can, uh, you can make yourself some money uh, with this amazing sport of pickleball. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's very special. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till the, till the uh, school year ends. I'm going to be playing some pickleball myself. And I'm going to hit you up on that offer where you said you're going to, direct me to where I can get the best paddles and the best equipment. Um, it's the fastest growing sport in the country, as you've mentioned. And Rick, you are, to me, still the most underrated player in the history of this game. Uh, uh, I feel like you're still incredibly misunderstood. Yes? So, it doesn't matter. I'm probably one of the most misunderstood people, but I, it, it's so crazy. Just I was about to say that, too. Yeah. But I find out things that I do. I just found out another thing that I didn't even realize that I had done that they were talking about Donkic or something that he scored 45 points in a row or doing something age wise and all. And it turns out that there's my name popping up again. I mean, I have see back in our days, we paid no attention to that stuff. All we cared about who won, who lost, right? Who won, who That's lost. Now, 
Your stacked. name is always popping up. It pops up everywhere. And well, ESPN, even with John Morant, it popped up with John Morant doing something else and everything. And I go every time I let my wife and I, I get such a kick out of my laugh. Is oh well, let's put that on the list of things that I did that I had no idea I did. <laughs> it's uh, it's your career is incredible. And as an individual, sir, I mean, just to give people perspective, you and I worked together back like 2003 to 2005 or something like that. And you, every year, you would always call me on my birthday. We always stayed in touch. You wrote me letters of recommendation for my eventual professor uh, jobs. You're just a class act. And I do agree that you're incredibly misunderstood. You're one of the, the most thoughtful, uh, generous individuals I know. Uh, you, your heart is huge, which always matters to me more than anything else. And I'm just, Sorry. I'm grateful to have you as a friend, sir. Stop this. You're going to ruin my reputation. <laughs> there you go. And we'll stop there. And we'll see you next week, folks. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, everyone. Presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.